0: Hello, everyone. This is Tom Uren, and I'm here with another Risky Business News sponsored interview. Today, I have with me Derek Hansen, who is VP of Solutions Architecture and Alliances at Ubico. G'day, Derek. G'day, Tom. It's nice to meet you. So today, we thought we'd talk all about authentication and how the landscape is changing. So, I guess there's a very brief background. Ubico, you're most famous for having USB security keys. But I thought maybe we could start with asking, what are passkeys? And I think I know what they are, but I'm not 100% sure. And then you might be able to talk us through the journey of how that's come about.
1: Yeah. I'd love to do that, because I think ultimately, passkeys are the the conversation of the day. They're in a lot of different places, and there's a lot of assumptions about what a passkey is and what a passkey, probably more importantly, isn't. (laughs) Um, And so... Yeah, when we when we talk about passkeys, it's it's quite a simple definition that it's a password replacement solution for authenticating. Yeah. Passkeys are, you know, using FIDO authentication to replace what the password is. And we've talked for years about what does it take to kill the password. Well, passkeys might prove out to be the solution that finally does that. Yeah, so my impression
0: is that a passkey is you fundamentally rely on a device that's got some biometric and I think it has to have a, uh, I guess iOS has a secure enclave or some hardware security module, is that right? Where the hardware keeps a private key and the biometric unlocks it. So in theory, it can't be extracted from the device and you need to prove that you're there because of the biometric. Is that
1: right? Well, that is a lot of the story that's been part of the FIDO lines for a very long time is that you have a private key that is used for authentication that is stored by the authenticator. And that authenticator tells you its properties of, you know, is it extractable? How is it stored? And there's a, there's a promise there. And that promise is in a attestation statement about the properties of that authenticator. When we've heard the launch of Passkeys, a big portion of that was driven by the answer to the question of how do we get FIDO adoption to increase um, even faster than it currently is going. And people started looking at, well, what is what is true of authenticators that makes this hard? And that is the fact that the authenticator is a physical device that you have. And if you deal with physical devices in humans, you end up in situations where there's a fear that I'm going to lose. Uh, that hardware authenticator, and so what happened? <laughs> it's
0: a reasonable fear, w- though people do
1: lose things, <laughs> exactly. And I'm you know so um, that that's a legitimate concern, and you have to make sure that you have solutions for that. And so one of the solutions that was brought out is that well, what if we change the premise of the authenticator, and we say that for platforms like iOS and Android, the keys that are in the keychain are now, instead of being bound to the device, are now synchronized everywhere that that user has an account. Right. And so when Apple launched support for pass keys, the pass keys would synchronize between your laptop and your phone. Mm-hmm. And with this increased the usability of the pass keys because they were never just on one device. You registered it on your phone, you were able to use it on your laptop. And that changed how... People could use passkeys and it simplified some of the onboarding, but it came at a a cost that is that you don't necessarily know where that private key material is stored. And so when I started with passkeys are a password replacement, it was a solution, especially as the syncable passkeys came to market. It was a solution built around the fact that if I have a password, I could write it on a sticky note and give it to you. And so it was targeted on reducing the phishing problem, but not necessarily having all the same security promises that the hardware-bound passkeys have, which is they can't be copied.
0: Yeah, yeah. In the case of those syncable passkeys, presumably whatever passkey I've created is sitting in my iCloud keychain. And what happens if my Mac, say, gets compromised with... One of those, uh, what are they called? Info stealer malware that sucks up your keychain.
1: So that is that is the risk that every organization is now having to evaluate with syncable passkeys. Mm-hmm. Is can those credentials be compromised through malware or through anything else? I actually, was having a conversation earlier today with somebody where I was like, you know, identity systems are built on top of layers. They are built on top of the layer that the device that you're using is secure. Mm -hmm. And that it is trustworthy that the browsers and the clients that you're using are secure and trustworthy uh, so that the credentials and the sessions that you're passing through all of these actually can reach the service without being tampered with. And the hard part is we know that there is a lot of effort being put into exposing those insecurities in our devices and our browsers and our apps and so I think that's that's the risk that we now are facing is as the keys can be copied and the keys can be accessed, what happens if a passkey is used and there is a compromise? How do I, as a relying party, address the risks of that? I think that's that's a open part of the conversation right now is we've moved the model where the keys were always on an authenticator and I had a, a known security promise to... I have a credential for a user that is stronger than a password, but what happens when things go wrong? Right. Yeah.
0: So, uh, I mean, just at first glance, that seems like a reasonable trade-off if you're a massive consumer company with billions of users. It's a step forward, right? Mm -hmm. But it seems like there also needs to be solutions where it is, I guess, a pain in the ass and you need to set up pass keys on multiple devices if you want access from multiple devices for certain organizations.
1: Absolutely. And I think that's what we need to make sure that we're, we're clear about is there's pass keys are going to be on a spectrum, mm-hmm. but even the lowest end of the pass key spectrum is better than the highest end of a password one-time password solution. Right. And so there, there's no overlap here. This is better, but that doesn't mean that better is going to be the right answer for all, all RPs if you're an enterprise, you may not want your credentials uh, synchronizing between all of the users' devices. You may not want them up in the iCloud account or the Google accounts. You may just want them on devices that you can control. And so there's going to be a spectrum here, depending on who you are and how your users access your system, that is going to be important. And I'd even actually say that Passkeys has made a bigger change for organizations as they look at account lifecycle. As a consumer, it's great. I want to use this because now the the platforms are responsible for helping the users recover access back to their accounts if their device is lost or they add a new account. I am not as responsible to manage account recovery at scale, which is a nearly impossible problem when you're dealing with a global customer base.
0: Yeah. 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 So, I mean, I've used, I've enrolled pass keys. Uh I use them for a couple of services that the ones that have started to offer them. And I'm kind of vaguely curious about, okay, I've got a pass key. They sort of seem to work, Um, but what happens if I lose my device? I guess I've got several devices, but what if there's a fire in my house (laughs) And does it ultimately come back down to having a password or a phone number or something like that? So we're kind of in a better place, but that still root of trust ultimately gets a bit wobbly.
1: Yes. And that is, (laughs) (laughs) I I wish there was a better answer than yes, because it comes back down to, um, when you look at it from that lens of, I've lost all my devices, it comes back down to your account recovery process with the platform what do I need to do with Google or Apple if I need to get back access to my account? And so these are known problems, which is why Google and Apple have solutions for people to use uh, security keys to protect their account. Google has the advanced protection program. Mm -hmm. And it's specifically so there isn't a fishable recovery mechanism on that account. Apple recently launched support for security keys in iCloud accounts, we're getting to the place where they're allowing at-risk individuals to opt in to a solution where that can't be fished, that's in their control. But there's still some sharp edges in these programs, which is why it's an opt-in. But the counterside of that is the at-risk individual list is growing almost daily. It used to be journalists or dissidents, and it's now you know, social media influencers or people that are doing lots of advertising on your platform or high net worth individuals or anybody that is starting to use their service that's attacked as an individual, that list continues to grow.
0: Right, yeah. So I guess in the example I was thinking of, I was wondering about the security risks of account recovery. That's that's where I was kind of coming from, that can you run an account recovery scam, I guess, to take over someone who is is using passkeys?
1: I don't think the passkeys change that conversation. Right. When you look at your identity strategy for how you protect yourself, mm-hmm. most of your accounts will use email for account recovery. So the very first thing you need to do is lock down that email and make that secure. Other accounts will use your phone uh, number for account recovery. And so you need to do some of the basics with your phone company. Uh, In the U.S., we allow number porting. So you need to go register a PIN with your telco provider to ensure that your number can't be ported and you can't be SIM-jacked or prevent some of the SIM-jacking attacks. Right, 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 right. yeah. And so I think where you're going is, is ultimately that if pass keys get adopted at a higher rate, uh, the ownership of your account is going to focus away from attacking you at the, the authentication moment, but it's going to shift over to attacking the account recovery process. So all of us will have to start looking at how do we deal with account recovery for ourselves as this evolves, because that's going to become much more attractive and easier to do because phishing will kind of get locked out of the authentication uh, step. Right. Yeah, yeah.
0: Account recovery seems to me to be very hard to make very secure uh, because mm-hmm. when you genuinely need account recovery, it's because I guess in that kind of world, you'll have lost something that means you can't prove who you are.
1: Yeah. It's a problem that we're getting better at understanding I'm not a hundred percent sure it's a problem that we've gotten that much better at building solutions for. The best advice is basically you have to lock yourself down and distribute keys all over in, in case of you know a disaster, but it's it's analogous to what happens if you're on vacation and you lose your passport. Yeah, it's just an ugly process.
0: Yeah, yeah. Now I'm curious about what the future is for password managers. And I see that some of them have started to incorporate passkeys. Do they become like the equivalent of iCloud Keychain or Google's is
1: it Google's password manager? I think it's your con. Your conversation is exactly right. Is that they're going after being able to be a manager for your passkeys as well, right. and it's about making sure that users have choice in how they sign in maybe they don't want to use the platform provided um, authenticator or maybe they actually have multiple platforms and I don't have a way to synchronize between Apple and Google and so I want to use one uh, password or dash lane or something to to synchronize my pass keys mm-hmm. the other part of it we haven't talked much about it is in the synchronizable pass key scenario I'm allowed to share those pass keys with people mm-hmm. and so you know if I'm in a family I could airdrop my passkey to my, my wife or kids and passkey providers, third-party passkey providers will be able to help manage some of that sharing of passkeys, which makes the security conversation that much more complicated is you don't know who has access to what passkey anymore. But again, it's about being better than a password. Yes. Which you didn't know who had what password before anyways.
0: Yeah. I, I was exactly thinking that question. Even the word private key kind of assumes that they're private, but then private keys have never really been private. You could share them wherever. Yeah. So where do things like USB keys fit in
1: this world? I think they fit exactly on that spectrum I referred to earlier is that you just said private key, you know, and you were talking about where the private key lives. That is the future of what we're talking about here is where do private keys live? Are they living in a place where you have no proof Of where that private key is it could be on any one of number of devices it could be shared across any number of people and then you're going to get into a world where there's some private keys that are they're saying that they're only created on a device maybe an mdm solution is, is signing it so you know that it's on this device and then there's the spectrum where security keys are going to live and those usb authenticators are where you know that that key was created on that device it can't be exported from that device and it was going to meet your compliance and regulatory requirements. So again, I think there's going to be a spectrum, and you're always going to need that portable route of trust to go between devices or applications to securely enable those other use cases. As you look at a a passkey world, credential lifecycle management has just gotten significantly more complex. Passwords used to be a very simple process for organizations to manage. They were ugly, but they were simple. It was, hey, I give you a password your first day on the job. Yep. I force you to change that password either occasionally or randomly or because there was a compromise. And then, oh, you got locked out, so we'll give you a process to issue you a new password that will force, you know go right back into that change loop. And that was what happened for your entire time as an employee. When we get to this post-password world, We still have the same day zero, day one conversations for an employee. But now once they're set up with their first passwordless credential, now we have to look at all these other flows that exist, which is, hey, what is that registration process for the first time I log into a new device? Because that's now a new security risk because all of the synchronized pass keys will get synchronized down to that device the first time I sign in.
0: Right, yeah. I think it was maybe Dragos or some cybersecurity company had an incident where the threat actor accessed or was in a new hire's email. So they were able to get the onboarding credentials. And I guess it was not, you didn't have to physically turn up. When I worked in defense, if you got a new account, you actually had to physically turn up and show your ID and... But if you don't have that, how do you know? I guess you're relying on email to be secure, which is, well, there's a risk there.
1: Well, yeah. And I think you're seeing work from home and BYOD Mm. and then the the pandemic changed this entire world where we're now onboarding employees remotely without ever actually having potentially seen them face to face. And if you're talking about a, a process for compromise, yeah, that first day, that first authentication There is some serious risk there on how do you make sure that they are who they say they are and that they're the employee that you want to hire is actually the one that gets the credential in that onboarding process. At Ubico, we've been looking at this and we recently announced what we're calling FIDO pre-registration, which is the ability to deliver your first credential on a token to you so that we're not emailing you a link. And so we're using a different signal, a physical address. To try and get you a credential. Right, right. right.
0: So you'll actually get a key in the mail or something like that. Is that the.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's kind of the thought is, you know, we'll just ship you the key and it goes to this address. It's not perfect. It's not right for every situation. But the reality is, if I have to bootstrap you to access our corporate account by using your personal email, I'm making a big assumption that your personal email is secure.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm just thinking about the North Korean actors who have, you know, gotten legitimate. <laughs> software engineering jobs and like uh, it feels to me a bit like turtles all the way down like you know when how do you know who's really replying to your ad but i guess it's about figuring out where the place where the best trade-offs are and how much you're willing to do to figure
1: that out the trade-offs is exactly the conversation i mean because as I said, on that spectrum, there's the syncable pass keys that are everywhere. There's going to be device bound pass keys, things like Windows Hello or OctaFast Pass or other things that are registered and bound to your device. These are all going to be very good user experiences. But the question comes down to how do I register them? How do I make sure that the entire lifecycle that my users are going through is phishing resistant, not just one point in time? And so we've identified like seven different phases for users that are now risks in this post password world because of where credentials and everything gets copied. And so making sure that all of those meet a phishing resistant solution is the required piece to elevate users to be phishing resistant. If you're comparing just one event you know, is this thing fishing resistant? Is this not? Is this thing secure? Is this not? And you lose sight of that big picture like you just talked about. You don't know what those trade-offs are and are you even giving this to the right person at the right time?
0: <laughs> you know, this conversation has been like quite reassuring for me in, in two different ways. In one way, it's reassuring because the state of passwords or authentication, I guess, is getting better. And in the second way, it's reassuring in that there'll still be lots of cybersecurity disasters for me to write about in the future. Derek Hansen, Mm -hmm. VP of Solutions, Architecture and Alliances at Ubico. Thanks a lot.
1: Uh, Thank you, Tom. It's been great.